Welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and playstyles of all of the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't, what led to better games, as well as what got left on the playtesting cutting room floor, and we talk about it all. In this episode, we are returning to the Unearthed Arcana 2022 Expert Classes document. Um, Here we are looking forward to what might become the 2024 revisions of 5th edition, uh, the edition that has no number or has a num- the number one, the most inaccurate of all possible numbers for it. <laughs> <laughs> How is it the most inaccurate of all possible numbers? Uh, it is neither the first edition nor the edition known as 1E. Yeah. Those slots are already taken. <laughs> It is neither. It's also not original. It's not the original. So yeah, I mean, all of the numbers around that number one are taken in every direction. Yeah, Uh, yeah. There's there's no hope here, folks. It's fine. It's lovely. Um, With me tonight, as always, is my delightful co-host Sam Dillon. How are you tonight, Sam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am. I am excited and interested to see what we find when we delve into the ranger. So, right. In our last episode, we covered the sort of prefatory material and the bard and the college of lore, uh, leaving us now to launch into the ranger uh, and the hunter subclass. And well, let's, let's hope we can cover more than, just that in one episode. That'd be nice. Well, so wait, before we get to that, and this is why we end up not covering more, but yeah. <laughs> before we it's get a, to that, it's a mystery folks. It's, 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 I have no idea what happens. Uh, someone told me that, and I still have not, haven't had a t- work's been horrible for me uh, this semester, folks. It's just been horrible. So I haven't had a chance to watch the videos that your buddy J Craw did. About this particular yeah, yeah, yeah. playtest release. What my best mate J. Crawl. Your, right. your, your best friend, yes, I know. Uh so I <laughs> I, I I'm saying that tongue in cheek, people. Yeah. That's Brandis really is not yeah, I, anyway. I, I, I've never met him. It's <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's great. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm more making fun of him than you. Anyway, so here's the thing. I was told by someone today, this afternoon, that in those videos, he said that they want to make these classes all very strong. Is that true? Does he say that in the videos? Uh, that they're trying to make to them it, strong and powerful. It was, you know, last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's a, a week ago from the moment we're recording. Mm-hmm. So I have not rewatched them. Yeah. Uh, because I wasn't thinking about that. It sounds right. like something he would say. I'm just what struck me about it was, you know, we just recorded that whole last episode about how Bard spelled backwards as nerf. So mm, I don't yeah. know how that structure of that Bard class fits in with that idea of making them very strong, I guess uh, is what I I'm mean, saying. That's a really good question. Um, and I, I feel like we're going to have to wait and see on a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, that, that said, I mean, the the ranger does get some some uh, arguable upgrades. Uh, certainly, their their breadth of spell prep options is greatly expanded, and that might 
do them some big favors uh, as we get into it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and toss out an opinion on the Rogue. Uh, the changes to the Rogue exist to close doors to things that uh, Watsi probably saw as exploits. Um, a lot of doors get closed on the Rogue. So it is much harder to, uh, I guess you'd say, excel as a rogue uh, in terms of combat uh, productivity. Uh, your your non-combat situations, while you're you're overflowing that with expertise and uh, some changes to how you handle. Um, things involving thieves tools are um, going to make them very difficult to challenge. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Just going ahead and planting a flag on that. So okay. We'll so come back to it. Yeah. So let's, let's, yeah. So I shouldn't have sidetracked us already before we even started. We weren't even on the main track before I sidetracked us anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the Ranger. So, right. So the Ranger here, um, I mentioned last time they have two primary abilities, um, and choosing wisdom as one of them sort of both makes sense and doesn't. It's it, you can make it your attack stat if you want to be a cantrips ranger. That's a thing you can do. Um, you're going to be falling a little behind the damage curve because cantrips aren't as good as having weapons right now. Now, sure, this both get rewritten. We can argue about what they might do to make that work out all, all day, but that's not really productive mm-hmm. right now. Um, it really is the case with the Rangers, as we can see right now, that they need to have either a strength or dex attack stat, and nothing in the rules here is actually taking anything away from playing a strength ranger. Um it isn't actively supporting it either, so it, that's kind of a wash. It's very interesting to me that there it's not really supposed to be a strength ranger, but yet the proficiencies for saves are strength and dex. Right. So uh, the those are the same saving throws they have in the 2014 Player's Handbook. That's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. no change. And right. it fits the model of um, dexterity, constitution, and wisdom being... The most common saves. Sure. You're only going to get one of those at at base in a class, and then strength, intelligence, and charisma are the less common, though somewhat more common than they used to be saves. Sure. And you're going to get you're going to get only one of those. So it, it fits that model. Um, it's pretty nice to have mm-hmm. uh, strength saves come up a lot in exploration situations like not getting blown back by wind or falling off cliffs or being able to grab cliff edges kind of saves so i really like it for that um it felt great when i was you know running around with a strength ranger in doom of annihilation so it's it's really a non-problem no, I I didn't mean it was a problem. I, I just meant it's it's um, and I know it's the same as the 2014, but it's just interesting in, in the context of talking about a strength ranger, and but you know, I, I just meant it in terms of it's interesting because one of the things I look at is if I'm looking at building a character, 
does it tell me I have like this primary ability, but then a lot of the other stuff I'm supposed to be doing is based on something else. Right. And so I notice the saving throw being strength and dex, not wisdom, but yet you're telling me that it's possible. One of my primary abilities is wisdom. Like that to me feels like a mismatch in a way, but I understand like that, that partly was just pulled over from the 2014 book. So, you know, and I, and I get that they're trying to balance that and make those, you know, what, what you said about the saves being, you know, strength dex, you know, heavy yeah. that's that's fine i i'm just sort of more commenting well, on the basics here right and the other thing about making wisdom primary is that what we're about to see as we go down to the classes chart is that they're now spellcasting at first level there is none of this start at second or going back to older editions start at fourth or sixth or eighth or whatever no no spellcasting at first level you get cantrips Rangers are spellcasters. They are planting their flag. They are they are holding this territory against all uh, invaders. Um, and so you have to have wisdom as your as your casting stat. Um, it's the major weakness of the ranger class that they are so dependent on uh, two really good stats, right? Um, and they also need a very respectable constitution just to play the game. Um, like a lot of ranger spells involve saving throws. So you need to be able to get the enemy to fail those saving throws. Um, th- that was a, a major factor in how I you know, built my ranger. I knew I wasn't going to have a very good wisdom score. So really, really narrowed my spell options. Uh, Rangers are really full casters now, and in 2014, they've got to have good wisdom or you're you know, skipping a lot of your spell casting options. And so when I played a Ranger with a you know, not great wisdom, only a 12 wisdom, um, it really, really narrowed my spell casting options. That's going to be true here too, even as your actual list of options expands substantially. Um, but going ahead and launching into the um, the, the classes you know, twenty level progression, is that mm-hmm. all right? Yeah, please right. do. Uh, so, because I can't really comment on that, what you said, because yeah. sure, I've honestly never played a ranger in five e, which sounds weird, but there you go. <laughs> um, the, honestly, the the changes made in Tasha's are. A, a half step to what's in this document in a lot of cases. And this document is kind of cleaning up some of the stuff they did that felt a little uh, a little bit, a little bit like a workaround to get where they wanted to be. Um, so this is very similar to a Tasha's Cauldron of Everything Ranger. Um but you know that's not surprising. They kind of had a chance to redesign the class, right? And I wouldn't expect a, another full redesign, right? Um, there's there's just some tweaks, right? So so spellcasting happens at first level. Mm-hmm. Um, expertise, you get two expertise slots at uh, first level, um, and um, that's just a a thing that's true for experts, right? Um, because the bard gets it too. 
right? Uh, you're getting two expertise slots at two separate times in your class progression. For the ranger, that's first and ninth. Um, you have a favored enemy feature, uh, which has nothing to do with you know the old pick a creature type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like to commit hate crimes against that creature type. <laughs> um, this is instead a rename of the favored foe feature from uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and a rework to get at probably what they you know wish they could have done in the first place, right. if we're honest. Um, which is uh, the Hunter's Mark spell is your deal. You get it without spending a spell prop, and you're great at using it. Right. Like, and no, con- no concentrate. It, you, you don't have to concentrate on it. Uh, which is actually a step further than you see um, uh, favored foe go. But then if it had not required concentration, it would have stacked with Hunter's Mark and that would have been a mess. Um, And um, so this is just really strong, though it does still uh, take spell slots, which favored foe didn't. Favored foe was in addition to your spell slots. so that's just a, a thing to notice there. Um, then your next feature is spellcasting. Ca- spell um, so you're using the, the primal list, the, the druid-ish list. Um, we can probably safely assume that uh, druids have full access to all of primal, uh, and rangers use all of primal except evocation. Right. Well, and and except anything above fifth level. Right, and, and not, even, not yeah. anything right. about fifth. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, your progression does stop with fifth level spells unless you've multiclassed with druid a bunch, I guess. Mm-hmm. In which case, you still don't have those higher level spells. But you have slots for them, so whatever. Right. Um, anyway, <laughs> exactly. uh, it's it's because of um, healing previously being evocation, and they want rangers to still be able to heal that cure wounds and such had to move. That's right. it's about rangers here. Mm-hmm. It might be about other classes also, but it's definitely about rangers. Um and uh as before, you're you're prepping a number of spells of each level equal to your number of slots of that level, but then you cast freely within that. Right. And that's that's kind of a weird constraint to worry with. I'm not exactly sure what that gains them um i'm not i'm not really clear on the the thinking with that approach it seems like just more uh more to keep track of as you're prepping so there's something about that wasn't there i i saw someone post a clip about j cross saying I call him that like he's my best friend. He's my gang buddy, right? Uh, Something about how they're going to experiment with downcasting spells as well as upcasting spells. And so their their wording is such that you have – that's why they kind of word it openly, even though you have – you have a certain number of spell slots and you can prepare what you want, if you know what I mean. Sure, I think right. they're they're playing around with the wording to get the wording correct about how they want to express that idea because they're going to be messing around with downcasting spells as well. Um, sure, sure, that's that's fair. 
I, I'm not sure I see how that quite plugs into um, wanting to have a, a fixed number of prep spells of each level. But, you know, I, I'm willing to wait and see. You know, whatever. Um, let's see. I was going to look up. Uh, so, so rangers can use uh, a druidic focus. Um, so that is a spellcasting focus for their spells. Um, and it gets them out of needing material components. Um, I would say probably straight up an oversight in 2014. Um, there's an option in Tasha's that lets you use a druidic focus. Well, now it's not an option. It's, it's an everyone thing. You're not paying something for it. So that's good. Um, so that's your first level of features. Um, a, a pretty good amount of stuff. Um, you're a better healer at first level than a bard. Congratulations. <laughs> it's a low bar. Um, <laughs> Correct. So, but you don't have uh, the the bardic healing thing. Come on, Brandis. They they don't uh-huh. have the the um, what is it called on here? It's the uh, uh, where to go? Oh, the heal from the from the bardic inspiration. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It and yeah. and. and, and your, your cure wounds is still better than it, so uh, we're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, at second level, you get a fighting style. Um, here, as in 2014, you're constrained to archery, defense, or two weapon fighting as your free fighting style. I still mm-hmm. don't know why they care about that constraint. It's still unnecessary and unhelpful because um, a ranger with a shield is cool, actually. And if fighting with uh, both hands on the sword is good enough for um, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, it's good enough for you. I'm just saying. Um, also, you know, pikes are cool boar spears, and you should encourage those, you know, two-handed weapons. They're they're weird about this, um, but you do qualify for other fighting style feats. So if you want to buy protection or um, great weapon style, you can spend a feat slot on that. Uh, once you reach fourth level, you can't spend your first level feat slot on it because you don't have this feature yet. I mean, I, I, do you think they just leave the archery defense and two weapon fighting in there as thematic underpinnings yes. of the yes. ranger? They think those are thematic underpinnings of the ranger that mm-hmm. I specifically object to. I, I think they're constraining the theme unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I played my uh, Ranger and Tomb of Annihilation as uh, Weapon and Shield, and it was not a thematic violation of the Ranger. It was great. And I just, I don't see the, the I don't see that as thematically interesting, that, that constraint is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, moving on. Um, so, at third level, the Ranger gets their subclass and in 2014 they got features at uh, 3rd, 7th, 11th and 15th in this document they get them at the now more standard at least for experts uh, 3rd, 6th, 10th, 14th I think we can expect a good number of other classes to uh, cleave to that model though I hesitate to anticipate all of them being there I think that 
I think they might not go to to all of them, just because I think that it is quite a challenge to make the um, sorcerer, warlock, and cleric fiction work really at all. If you don't get your subclass to third, I think that's a, a serious problem. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Um, like there are essential things about cleric design and uh, and such that just break if you don't have a subclass till third. But we'll see. Um, so um, you get feats at the the ordinary uh, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, nineteen um, levels with ranger. Uh, at fifth level, you get your extra attack. Nothing changing there. Uh, seventh level is roving. Uh, roving you'll recognize from uh, Tasha's. Uh, it's been tweaked here. Instead of plus five feet, it's plus ten. Uh, it no longer works while you're wearing heavy armor. And uh, as with Tasha's, you get a, a climb speed and a swim speed equal to your speed. Um, in Tasha's, this features it at sixth. And this is part of the package replacement for Natural Explorer. Um, as you see, there's no Natural Explorer even suggested in, in this class right up. They, they've embraced Tasha's features here. Yeah. I'll also point out that their armor training for the Ranger uh, only includes light armor, medium armor, and a shield. It doesn't right. include heavy armor. So you would have had to purposefully... Right choose to get heavy armor for it, for it to negate this. Uh, it, it is a good hard push against ever yeah, doing that. Right. Um, and that's fine. Sure. Like, yeah. It's fine. Um, let's see. Uh, so that takes us out to uh, well, I mentioned that at ninth level you get another batch of expertise skills. Um, so it's, it's two more. Uh, 11th level gets you tireless, uh, again, taken from the, uh, the Tasha's optional features. Um, so when you finish a short or long rest, and it's nice to see any nod to the short rest here, uh, you can get a, a handful of temporary hit points. Uh, you know, the number of hit points you have at 11th level, this feels like a, a minor nice to have rather than anything crucial uh but that's okay again uh, it feels like a thematic bonus right like it's it's really yeah I, I, I guess um like telling this story with rangers and then not having a comparable story with other fighters whose story you know, warrior types whose story is i'm super tough mm -hmm. uh is a little uh, okay i guess that's a story Huh? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I guess what I why I'm saying that is because that's exactly my point yeah. that it almost feels like this ranger is a fighter who who does it well in the yeah. forest traditionally. So we're going to add these things in that give it this weird flavor to try to make it a ranger instead of just a different fighter. Sure. Um, and then uh, decrease exhaustion is. It, when you need it, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, if you're exhausted, which is to say, have any levels of the exhausted condition, um, when you finish a short rest, your level of exhaustion decreases by one. Now, 
this is the same as how the feature works in um, Tasha's. It's just that the definition and function of exhaustion have completely changed, which we'll get mm-hmm. to when we get to the rules right. glossary. The important thing is that it's now uh, a much simpler uh, uh, progress track, mm-hmm. but uh, one where you die on step 11 rather than, I think, step six. Right. Um, and you can really afford to keep going adventuring with quite a few levels of exhaustion. Um, everyone else is you know, reducing exhaustion on long rest. Uh, you could potentially purge a lot of it in a day with some short rests. Um, I think that raises questions about, can I just sit here for four hours and call that four short rests, which maybe we'll see some further clarification on. Right. I mean, so there, the, you'll notice short rest is not underlined, which means they're not giving a, an update to the short rest rules. True. Um, true. So it's it's upon the DM to decide, well, you can only do one short rest every three hours or every two hours or only once you've had at least two combats or something. You know what I mean? Like some kind of rule that says here is a limit to how many short rests you can do right now that right now that's not here. Right. And uh, I'll just remind our listeners that there is also no special rule for short rests in the character options packet. Um, so, uh, at 13th level, uh, you get Nature's Veil, which has been shifted up from 10th level in uh, Tasha's. And here it costs a spell slot rather than you having some free uh, uses per day. But you yeah. couldn't spend spell action. slots for extras. Right. It, it was It's a bonus action in Tasha's. Um, and, oh, I, mean, I guess I was the. Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, so nature's veil is the different. Yeah, right. Nature's veil replaces um, the uh, vanish and hide in plain sight. Right from the 2014. Um, nature's veil is incredibly powerful. It is yeah. just incredibly gross. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, in a way, it's kind of a. Uh, mid-tier three damage kicker because it's so much free advantage. So you're going to be critting a little more and you're right. going to be hitting more often. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, you're just going to wreck some people with it, uh, right. in my experience. Uh, but, to say nothing of, like, I don't want to be in this fight. Bye. Right, but it's also 13th level. So it's not like yep. you're getting it at 5th or 7th. No, for where sure. You're suddenly invisible, you know, five times. <laughs> no, no, no. I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's a, a problem where it is. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was a problem at 10th. Um, so it's interesting to see it get moved up here. Um, so then 15th level um, gets you feral senses, uh, 30 foot blind sight. Um, yeah. So feral senses used to be at 18th level. So it's gotten moved down considerably. Um, and uh, its description in the player's handbook uh, doesn't use the language of um, uh, of blindsight. Sorry, uh, it uses a sort of more detailed. You don't have to go look this up kind of language. Um, and I think that my my one issue with blindsight is just. This is getting really into 
um, a rule that most people can't state correctly without looking it up first. So it's a lot more, go look this thing. You know, we're going to use a technical term, go look it up. Mm-hmm. You know, to understand what this class does. Now it's just this 15th level feature, but when you're using it, you need to know exactly what it does all the time. Um, now I see it's underlined. So in the glossary, it's going to have a new entry. Is that entry very different from what it was previously? Line sight. Uh, if you have line sight, you can effectively see within a specific range without relying on physical sight. Within that range, you can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even if you're blinded or in darkness. Moreover, you can effectively see a hidden or an invisible creature in that range. Wow. Uh, so the the blind sight right up in the the monster manual. Uh, doesn't talk about um, total cover necessarily one way or the other. Uh, it says a monster with blind sight can perceive its surroundings without relying on sight within a specific radius. Uh, it talks about some different ways that creatures might gain blind sight, such as echolocation. Um, and if a monster is naturally blind, it has parenthetical note to this effect, indicating that the radius of its blind sight defines the maximum range of its perception. And nothing. So the the business about uh, total cover is not part of that text. Interesting. That's very interesting. So. Um, okay. So back to the ranger. So back to the ranger. Uh, what used to be sort of your capstone feature of foe slayer, um, mm-hmm. a sort of underwhelming capstone feature. I was going for, to say the same for, for a lot thing. of users. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it is in Watsi's math one of those that is kind of a, a sleeper hit. It's actually quite good, but it's hard to really appreciate uh some uh fairly small math adjustments way at the top end. Uh well but, it feels like one D ten, well, so at eighteenth level BFD. So it doesn't. Right? So so the effect here isn't what it does in uh, in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. In, in twenty fourteen, uh, once in each of your turns, you can add your wisdom modifier to the attack roll or the damage roll of an attack you make against mm-hmm. one of your favorite enemies. Um, you can choose to use this feature before or after the roll, but before any effects of the roll are applied. So we talked about, uh, you know when you time your your adjustments in the last episode that that foe slayer was really leaning into that mm-hmm. well now what it does is it juices up your hunter's mark from d6 to d10 honestly that probably feels a little better like this thing you do you've been doing the whole campaign and you just do all the time and you do without thinking about it because it does require concentration you get to use a bigger die Great. Neat. Yeah, neat, but meh. Um, hey, look, at least it applies to all your attacks around, man. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, if it feels like a little bit underwhelming. Um, at 18th level, I do an extra 
possible for extra damage over my 1d6 I used to do. I now can do a 1d10. So on average, I'm only doing two extra damage. That's basically the same as having a plus two wisdom bonus for the old Fos Slayer. Sure, right? sure. Except uh, now I'm rolling, so I could accidentally roll a one. <laughs> uh, you Sure, you could always roll a one, just like mm-hmm. you could always still miss. Right, right. Oh, sure. With, yeah, no, with, I, yeah, I, agree. I agree. Right? I agree. Um, I'm just saying it feels underwhelming for 18th level. Uh, like I find 13th level nature's veil and now reading blind sight, getting that at 15th level is like, those two things are big. Sure. Sure. I mean, this one's like, uh, but the same is true of superior bardic inspiration. For, Absolutely. I agree. I agree. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, a, a nice to have, not a like real defining thing. Yeah, the difference is that whole class was underwhelming, so <laughs> it yeah. was really surprising. Yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> Whereas this is like some of these things feel kind of good, and then at 18th level, uh, okay. No. I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, right? Yeah. I'm sure, as you say, like the math of it is perfectly in the right niche, right? Yeah. But it just feels underwhelming after after the other things. So I think that's, that's probably fair. Uh, and finally, at 20th level, you get your epic boon. Uh, the default epic boon is the epic boon of fortitude, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, I think, a giant pile of hit points and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, nice to have, like, your, your 20th level. I would love to see support for, so we hit 20th level and then kept playing for a long time, but I don't see that happening. Uh, I think people are going to keep treating 20th level like you're going to get about one session at this level and then that's it. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with the changes to encounter building mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what happens in future content. Right. So so that's the, the core ranger. Um, as before, I'm not really going to dig into the prepared ranger spells. Sure. Um, you know, at a at a quick glance, I think that Several of these are better for the player, mm-hmm. but definitely not all of them. And this is because a lot of ranger spells are real bad. <laughs> um, and that's a that's a problem that's going to proceed to plague the hunter subclass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I'll begin talking about right now. now. <laughs> um, so uh, hunter is the one that I've played. My, my hunter in uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Like, got to twelfth level, right. so and I it got was most, badass. And it was badass. It was a ton of fun, um, and so I do feel like I have you know s- some room to comment on this quite specifically. Um, so the third level feature is Hunter's Prey. This was previously called uh, 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 Colossus Slayer, and it was the best one, right? The the previous version of the hunter gave you two or three options every time it gave you a feature, and the problem is that they weren't really balanced against each other very well. Uh, the The idea was that you would be customizing your playstyle, and you know the, the choices would be balanced against one another for for the right kind of concept. This kind of thing would work well. That didn't happen. There were just best options. Uh, Horde Breaker, pretty good. The other one that I don't remember the name name of is mm-hmm. not worth remembering the name of. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, Tell me how you really feel. I I did. 
Um, so, so Hunter's Prey is great. Um, this feature feels good to use, and uh, it really takes off once you hit fifth level and have extra attack. Um, it's just great. Uh, you're, you're probably getting that uh, extra D8 of damage at some point mm-hmm. most turns. It right. is a really nice damage kicker for uh, rangers, especially since they can also just be running Hunter's Mark. Um, sixth level Hunter's Lore uh, has nothing to do with what was previously in the seventh level slot. That, that was previously a defensive feature. Um, Hunter's Lore um, relies on your Hunter's Mark spell and reveals immunities, resi- resistances, and vulnerabilities of your target, uh, if any. It's nice to have. Um, it's probably not going to like come up a lot that you mm-hmm. can't just guess until you're fighting demons and devils and stuff in the the mid late game. Right. Um, relatively few enemies have a surprise uh, you know, resistance, vulnerability, or mm-hmm. immunity. Mm-hmm. Vulnerabilities in general are vanishingly rare, mm-hmm. and I think that's a shame. Um, so a couple of things about this. Uh, I like that it's you get to know whether they have all three. Sure. I like that. It doesn't say pick one and ask, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but secondly, so Pathfinder 2 has a, uh, an action that PCs can take on their turn in combat called Recall Knowledge. Uh-huh. And they could basically make a check to find out if there are any immunities, resistances. Like they, but they have to pick like what category they're you know, what are they trying to discern about this creature? Uh-huh. But the reason that that works is because everybody gets three actions. And, and a lot of times you have an extra, you know, you have that action and you might as well try to find out that weakness because it matters what, which defense you're going to attack and which, you know, what, you, then you could tell the other party members, you know, the spellcasters, oh, cast a spell that targets this defense because that's their weak one kind of thing. And you don't necessarily know. Whereas, in D and D, it's not that sort of minute, if if you know what I mean. So that's not necessarily something that is absolutely required for you to know, and that you have a lot of opportunity to just find out. Uh huh. Necessarily, yeah. so this feels like you know something that is sounds like a great idea, but probably is not all that useful. Well, let me just tell you uh, that that recall uh, lore feature you said is it mm-hmm. is recall knowledge recall yeah. knowledge yeah uh let's just put a pin in that one and come back to it when we get to the rules yeah. glossary i mean because i'm just saying that's a, that's something anybody can do sure right sure, sure. it's not a uh, special ability of a particular uh, I, class again i think we should put a pin in and come okay back to it yeah. when we get to the right, rules fine. glossary <laughs> we will <laughs> yeah. yeah is um, there a recall knowledge in there anyway it, no it's, let's, we'll wait it, it, it's called study and oh, yes okay. Yeah. And okay. Great. I have yeah. so many opinions. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yes. Yep. Then. All right. Yeah. See, this is now it's showing that I haven't looked at this document before. That's, so that's fine, folks. Uh, audience, you are getting me unfiltered. I have not. Usually, I prepare for these episodes, and I know what I'm talking about. Tonight, I know not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so tenth level multi attack. So tenth level multi attack. Uh, previously, they got uh, a multi attack of either. Whirlwind attack or volley at eleventh, right? Mm. Um, those were always really hard to use well because 
situations where they uh, deliver more attacks than your extra attack and maybe an offhand attack uh, are rare. And this won't help. Uh, this is sort of the same thing, except now you're spending spell slots. What it does is it teaches you Conjure Barrage, the pr- which is a third level spell. Uh, it also lets you downcast Conjure Barrage. We're talking about downcasting. Well, here you go. Um, here is an example of them using a downcasting mechanic. Um, at, at base, Conjure Barrage is this huge 60-foot cone. Uh, and it does 3d8 to creatures that fail their deck save and, and half on a uh, successful save. So if you don't have the spell damage table just living in your head rent-free, I'm just going to tell you 3d8 is garbage damage for a third level spell slot. <laughs> it's bad. Mm-hmm. The damage you you should be looking for is about 66 you'll notice mm-hmm. that those don't mm-hmm. average the same. Right. It's bad. Um, and so your cool feature is kind of wasting your third level spell slots. Um, or your first or second. Or your first or second. Because uh, 1d8 damage for a first level spell is also kind of, you it's, know. Yeah, it's also great. bad. Yeah. Um, and so your situation is like, yeah, if you have a lot of enemies that fit into this huge cone and no allies because mm-hmm. I don't think Conjure Barrage lets you skip allies, but I'm going to look mm. that up right now uh, like a good professional podcaster who knows what he's <laughs> talking about. Uh, well, one of us has to know what we're talking about on each episode. La, la, la. <laughs> You're like, wait, that wasn't a requirement ever before in 70-something episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Conjure Barrage is each creature, right? So this this spell is just if you've really set up your targeting, then it's a huge area mm-hmm. and it be better overall damage than even a fireball, right? C- congratulations, that's amazing. Right. That situation is not gonna come up much. Uh, I promise. And so Conjure Barrage is just one of those ranger spells that is for no good reason bad. Um, if, I mean, they, if they booted it up to 48 and then it downgraded at the same rate, mm-hmm. it'd be pretty good. It'd be fine, but you know, pretty good. Um, it's just like if you're only catching about three people, um, it was not worth your third level slot, and you should have right. just gone and stabbed things or shot them with your bow and enjoyed your tasty tasty hunter's mark damage because your hunter's mark damage can't combine with gunshot brush right so congratulations um so this feature is not really helpful um and then finally at 14th level you have superior hunter's defense um which is uh pretty much um uncanny dodge which was one of the cool defenses you could choose from at 15th level in the 2014 uh, Hunter subclass. It's just that you also get to redirect um, the half of the damage that you avoid to uh, another creature that is adjacent to you, uh, if you want. 
you can't redirect it back to the attacker, but you can make the make your enemy hit their ally. Right. Um, that seems like a little bit of a stretch of the uh, the theme here to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of whatever. I'm not going to get really uh, wound up about that. Like they're trying to make a really good uh, uncanny dodge. So okay, fine. Right. Um, yeah, the, I don't the have other, with it. Yeah. The other options in uh, the player the twenty fourteen player's handbook are evasion and stand against the tide. Um, folks, evasion's great. If mm-hmm. you, if evasion is an option, you should probably be taking that. Um, especially since you're proficient in decks anyway. Um deck saves. And then um stand against the tide is the redirect and attack part of the superior hunter's defense. So they combined Uncanny Dodge and uh, Stand Against the Tide to create this thing. That's that's what happened here. Interesting. So I want to go back to uh, the 10th level Conjure Barrage thing for a second. Yeah, sure. They named the subclass feature Multi-Attack. Uh-huh. Yep. They did that. But you don't actually get a Multi-Attack. You do not. Okay, just checking. Yep. Making sure I'm not like I didn't uh, like fall so, and hit my head because that so, sounds so, really bad. Well, they they just literally didn't rename it from the 2014. Right, order, that's right? really bad. Because <laughs> uh, multi attack, I mean, means something. No, no, it, it it is bad and it does mean something. It's just I expect that would be an awfully easy change, and I sort of don't care. Right, like yeah, the name is wrong. Yeah, but but. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy change, but it's the same kind of thing that gets lo- overlooked and then it sticks, right? Sure, sure. And uh, that's very misleading. It's like, oh, I get a multi-tech and I also have Conjure Barrage prepared. Awesome. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. No, friends. But yeah. nice try, kid. Yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah, just no, checking. I, I, I didn't know if I, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, and, and one of the thing about uh, Conjure Barrage here is that it is just completely out of theme for Melee Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because yeah. you have to throw a weapon or get out a bow and shoot an arrow to cast Conjure Barrage. That is an explicit rulesy part of the spell. Mm-hmm. So, what? Um, yeah. So you know the 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 tenth level thing here with Conjure Barrage is underwhelming. The eighteenth level foe slayer is underwhelming. Right. But otherwise, otherwise, I think, I think this is a really good okay. ranger. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, I I expect that a lot of this would get uh, tuned up as they went, but I, I do think that uh, the conjure barrage just needs to not be their their story for the tenth level thing at all. That, mm-hmm. That's just wrong to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with all that said, um, let's talk about the rogue. Okay, let's do it. Um, so you know, here again, a lot of the, the features are very familiar. Um, it's interesting what didn't come forward from Tasha's here, right? Um, so the, the core of the rogue is exactly what you would expect. Um, they have uh, proficiency with simple weapons and martial weapons that have the finesse property. Um, now, the short sword has been. Uh, moved down to simple weapons, uh, 
which is an interesting thing to discover, but <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and so it makes me wonder if we might see some more um, adjustments happening with uh, uh, martial weapons and their exact proper, excuse me, properties. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be real nice to see, uh, like, uh, scimitar really on parity here with the rapier. Right. There's not a lot of good reason for it not to be, uh, other than it being an offhand weapon. If you're specifically a draw ranger, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to call anybody out, but we're looking <laughs> at you, Bob Salvatore. Um, <laughs> so. Um, be careful. He'll point a wand of wonder at you and say, Wubba Wubba. Fair enough. I'll deserve it. Um, <laughs> so um, the rogues have uh, four skills where bards and rangers had three. So in that way, they're still the king of skills. Nothing mm-hmm. changing there. Right. Um, and they're always proficient in thieves tools. That's, that's you know, helpful. Uh, we're going to see how that specifically matters as we get on a little bit more here. Um, but, um, you know, your sneak attack progression is unchanged. It hasn't changed since, you know, 3.0. It's not changing now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's safe as houses, folks. Um, but w- as far as your class features, uh, first level is getting your expertise. What a shock. Um, <laughs> and sneak attack. So sneak attack, the progression hasn't changed. The rules have. Uh, and it's really subtle stuff that is easy for even a, a fairly experienced reader of rules to miss. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, the the language now says, once on each of your turns. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um so that's specifically closing the door to ever dealing sneak attack damage as a reaction mm-hmm. uh, so that you were dealing sneak, ta- sneak attack damage off turn, which was yeah. a major way to um, improve your total damage output mm-hmm. as a rogue. Right. Like, yeah, you're doubling it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't going to be able to maybe make that work every turn because... No one is going to trigger that reaction every turn, right. but man, it's certainly a mm-hmm. a, a defining piece of right. cooperation between yep. uh, Battlemaster and Rogue. Um, so that's that's real nice to have. That's gone now. Um, also, if someone triggers a reaction on your turn, well, you're not dealing sneak attack, sneak attack damage with that reaction because mm-hmm. you have to take the attack action. Right. Which is not how an opportunity attack works. Right. Um, so when I talk about their closing doors to the rogue, you know, dealing a lot of extra damage, that's what I'm, this is exactly what I'm getting at. Um, the uh, need for either advantage or an ally adjacent to the target is unchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the rest of the function. You know, works the same way as before. Right. So it's just a lot of the things players did with the rogue to make them 
uh, sort of damaged kings that's gone. Um, we'll see how that goes with feedback. Um, I think that for a lot of players, that was an exciting area of play. Right. That's um, the thing. That's yeah. what a rogue does. They do sneak attack. Right. They um, they hide and they stab you in the kidneys and they do the maximum possible damage. Right. And yeah. and so what happens as a result of that is that there's a very uh, sort of specific gameplay loop and there are a lot of ways to sort of expand on it or you know shake it up Mm -hmm. um so it just it strikes me as really interesting that they took the ranger and they gave a couple of abilities or a couple of of different you know features that are specifically thematic for a certain type of feel they want the ranger to have and then they've got the rogue which specifically has a feel of hide stabby stabby kidneys uh-huh. and do maximum damage and they have cut that well i mean it's still you know uh, uh, hide stab sure hide stab hide, but hide, not hide stab. hide stab as much as possible every, well, every time everywhere well m- maybe not um i think there are some um ways of playing the rogue that just leave you with so what am i supposed to be doing with my um bonus action right but it's really if you're a melee rogue you should probably be disengaging just to like you you run up 15 feet stab disengage run back 15 feet so that they have to provoke an opportunity attack from your allies to come get you and otherwise you're just getting free damage all the time i think that's the the concept there um but you know, in some conversations they had on Twitter, people were talking about how uh, for the, you know, optimizers, uh, doing something like attacking with Green Flame Blade was an absolutely necessary part of dealing extra damage. You know, you weren't even doing it right if you were using Green Flame Blade. Right. Well, this sneak attack closes the door to that because that would be the cast a spell action, not the attack action. Right. So they've, as I say, really like tightened the nuts and bolts in this language to do exactly what they want and nothing they don't want. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see what that does with uh, feedbacks. Not that we, the uh, public, actually find out the feedback results. <laughs> right. That's fine. Yeah. We can attempt to, you know, divine it through a glass darkly. When right. the next version of the road comes yep. out, exactly. Anyway, um, so let's move anyway, on. <laughs> anyway, uh, so so thieves can't uh, is quitter talk, and I won't have it here. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's it's you get you get uh, the, well they they really can't apply the sneak attack damage to an opportunity attack anymore. Oburn. <laughs> um, so, so, so it's appropriate that this comes right after that last one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what they can do is speak a language <laughs> that is a, a an Argot or, or yes. meta language, and they also get an additional standard or rare language uh, mm-hmm. to you know, go with that, right. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I like that you could either get this through um, you know, rogue or criminal. Um, you don't have to choose one or the other. That's mm-hmm. that's that's good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then um, at uh, second level, you get cunning action. Cunning action is essentially unchanged. It's dash, disengage, or hide as a bonus action. Right. Um, this is the nice tight gameplay loop that serves them well. Uh, it just is a question of sort of how their subclass might add something to that. And so we're going to be looking at the thief subclass in a minute and what it adds to the uh, cunning action plus attack action loop. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the 2014 player's handbook, rogues get subclass features at three, nine, 13 Mm -hmm. and 17, which is weird and very disappointing yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it's a real feels bad moment yeah. you just have to wait that long for your your second thing um and so now it's been standardized to you know three six ten fourteen lovely fine mm-hmm. whatever um so that's great um they get feats at uh so four eight ten uh as a reminder, in 2014, they do have that extra feet slot at uh, 10th, I believe. Um, and then uh, 12, 16, 19. Um, so, so they still are getting one more feet than other classes that are not fighter. Right. Um, which I think is kind of an expression of just being a martial class in the 40s mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I guess that's okay. Um, there's certainly plenty to want, as we'll, as we're going to see later in the document. Right. Um, right. So, um, fifth level gets you uncanny dodge. Uh, uncanny dodge is just uh, using your reaction to have the damage of an attack roll that you can see coming. Right. Uh, Which is the same as it was in 2014, right? Right. Yep. That's yeah. a it's a great uh, survivability feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it hasn't moved in level either. It's right. something that is not going anywhere. They like fifth level for it. Um, then uh, at seventh level, you get another uh, package of expertise. Great, lovely. Uh, that's been moved up from sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to wait all the way till ninth for evasion in in this version. It used to be seventh. Uh, but its function hasn't gone anywhere. Um, right. It's the same. <laughs> uh, except that uh, it calls out specifically that you can't use evasion if you're incapacitated. Which is uh, common sense, but okay. <laughs> uh, 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 common uh, sense, but yeah. not the previous rule. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the incapacitated condition didn't have anything to do with uh, making you fail deck saves or right. anything like that. Right. Um, I do think it's interesting that you get both a feat and a subclass feature at 10th. That, that is a lot, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. for, for a level. Um, well, I think that's the extra feat, right? That, right, so. that, that's their extra. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's interesting that they felt they needed to include a feat there as an extra. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Just, just interesting. Um, so eleventh that's level. The, that's the um, reward for having your um, sneak attack get nerfed a little bit. Yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, 
If you're good, you can wait till 10th level and get that reward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so reliable talent, uh, also not not moved off of 11th level, um, mm-hmm. and no change in function. Uh, it's you know if your d20 roll on an ability check on a proficient ability check is you know uh, nine or lower, treat it as ten instead. Great, wonderful, lovely. Um, this is uh, nice to have. It certainly also means that there's no tension in a lot of your actions. You're just right. going to succeed. Yep. You have you have no possibility of failure. Right. Uh, which is exactly what they're going for. You mm-hmm. know, if it's the kind of thing where you don't need to roll well, then you just can't fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because you've also got, you're also running, you know, probably a huge expertise bonus. Um, your your you know, double your proficiency bonus at tenth uh, level is plus eight. So, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Right. Or, sorry, eleventh level is plus eight. Um, that's amazing. You're gonna be doing fine with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've also got some right. ability score bonus, you know, so much the better. Um, so uh, 13th level is something that gives us a completely new feature uh, that has like, no parallel in 2014. Uh, it's called Subtle Strikes. Uh, it's pack tactics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rogues just say. have say pack tactics. tactics. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's that's cool, nice to have. Uh, it's basically taking the place of blind sense that rogues mm-hmm. got before. Um, and so that's, that's an interesting move. I'm not sure why blind sense went away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, except that blind sense is a little redundant with elusive on the defensive end, maybe less so on the offensive end. Um, yeah, but you're still, you know, four levels away from that at this point. Give me subtle strikes earlier. Sure. Maybe. I, want, I want subtle strikes earlier. It feels like it should be earlier. Um, I, I mean, I guess uh, it, much like uh, Nature's Veil, it is your mid-tier three uh, damage mm-hmm. kicker, right. right? By being an accuracy kicker. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the great lesson of the 4E Avenger uh, an accuracy mm-hmm. kicker is a damage kicker. Right, right. I uh, mean, I mean, from the player's perspective, this one's good, and I want it sooner because it's good. I mean, sure. Class features are always about waiting. No, don't have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think that you guys, I think that there is a valid player complaint of you guys have kept me on the hook for this many levels. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I. You know, wanted to get to this thing for so long and now I don't have very much of the campaign to play with it or right. the campaign ended before I got to that level. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's valid, right? Yeah. Um, I also think that it's not changing because they they want to keep handing you stuff. Well, that stuff has to be worth wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Like there are there are players in my long running campaign uh, Orakesh, who talk about, hey, for the rest of my Clash progression, I don't really have a lot else coming up that I'm ever going to care about. <laughs> right. What do? And that's rough. It's mm-hmm. it's not super fun. Um, 
So um, that'll take us to 15th level and Slippery Mind. Uh, Slippery Mind is something you'll recognize from the 2014 Player's Handbook, except it's now doing you one better. In addition to proficiency and wisdom saves, you also get charisma saves. Yeah. Uh, since, as a rogue, you're already proficient in intelligence saves, that's all of the mind-affecting mm-hmm. band of saves. Right. Uh, and, and that's real nice to have. Yep. Um, that's fancy. And you know what that's also kind of saying is thematically uh there's not really anything to choose between intelligence wisdom and charisma you know at the 10,000 foot view for the rogue mm-hmm. so we should just give them all of them and i agree with that choice i think that's i think that's a solid play um because thematically the things that really disti- distinguish uh wisdom and charisma or intelligence and wisdom um not easy to state clearly let's put it that way right um so that was 15th level uh that brings us to 17th level and elusive uh i'm just reading this whole document into the record i hope y'all enjoy that (laughs) Um, well elusive is really good so, so elusive is good um and uh it's unchanged except for being a different level Right. It's been uh, moved down from 18th to 17th. That that change is not, you know, rocking anyone's world probably, mm-hmm. right. but uh, it's a really, really nice feature. Yeah. Any day of the week, that's that's nice to have. Um, now, monsters don't have a ton of ways to just give themselves advantage on things. That could certainly change um, unless they're, tossing out conditions like blinded or whatever. Um, obviously, this doesn't help you against things like paralyzed because right. uh, paralyzed carries incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's that that whole structure of um, sort of, I guess nested nested conditions. That's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. That's that's still yeah. going to be the style. Um, so. At 18th level, Stroke of Luck has moved down from 20th, um, and it has changed in a fairly small way, but one that that matters. Uh, When you fail any D20 test, you can turn the uh, result into just a 20. So you can choose to crit now. Previously, it was just, if it was an attack roll, you could only turn a miss into a hit. You couldn't turn it into a crit. Now, this applies to attack rolls also. and worth noting that uh, it's still shorter, long rest, reset. Um, and finally, your epic boon default is undetectability, um, which uh, we'll, we'll get to when we get to the epic boons. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that is, again, a default choice and not uh, one you're obligated to take. Right. So, so that's the core of the rogue. It's uh, so subtle strikes is a, a nice new like damage output improvement. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a not a dominating one, but a really nice one to have all the same at the thirteenth level. Um, you know, not only do you get sneak attack, but all those sneak attacks have advantage. It right. is it is 
pretty hard for you to not have advantage in a situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering that, you know, all of your damage is loaded into one attack, uh, asterisk, I'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> you really can't afford to ever miss. Um, now, that asterisk has to do with the fact that um, the structure of two weapon fighting, as a the, the version of two weapon fighting everyone can do, has changed. And so it is very, very rogue friendly. A melee rogue should be two weapon fighting. That's just the beginning, middle, and end of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that overall, I'm still pretty happy with the the rogue, except that um, it it has become a little more plain, and I hope that they will, you know, remember to give you exciting ways to feel like you're getting away with something, and to feel like you're exploiting really great teamwork combos. I think that's a really important part of feeling good as a rogue. Right. right. So, is that going to be in the subclasses? Is my question. Uh, it, not in the thief. It's not. But <laughs> um, like what what, I, what I'm really talking about here is just how good the rogue felt in fourth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in fourth edition, the rogue is a striker, and that means something very explicit. Uh, the thing about strikers in fourth edition is that they're kind of there for other people to set them up. Uh, They get to play selfish and other people play generous so that the striker, uh, to to shift my metaphor a little bit, uh, bats clean up. Mm -hmm. They they are absolutely devastating if they've been set up properly. And so like you're spending your time making the, the, the striker or strikers as amazing as possible and then they just devastate everything. Um, that's a really cool, like, party concept, and it is not nearly as well supported anymore uh, because things like Commander Strike can't give rogues that extra pe- that extra, you know, sneak attack in a round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing, right? Um, so. Um, We'll see if anything comes in to to fill that gap, or if rogues are just sort of stuck with their expected damage output. Um, one of the things that we we saw in the character options document uh, with the changes to critical hits, those the changes are not part of this document. They're explicitly not part of this document, and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the rules glossary, but. One of the things you can sort of derive from the changes to critical hits and what they said about them in the video about that packet is that they're trying to make the combat math more predictable. I think that is fundamentally not great or satisfying to the player. I think that uh, we want combat to be predictable is not really a super awesome marketing move in terms of getting people excited about your game. Yeah. But you, I mean, I recognize that that's a response to everybody bitching about the CR encounter 
construction tables, which are not made in a way that lets you actually predict the difficulty of an encounter. Uh, right? And so, right. I, I, I just also don't want to be in a situation where the encounter is now so predictable that I'm just, you know, Matthew, yeah, no, no. Napkin, I, how many rounds are left in the fight? Right. So. I'm not disagreeing with you. I guess what I'm saying is this is the pendulum swing, right? It we, is. Yeah. We keep hearing about how the encounter rules, the encounter building rules suck. They are not predictive of actual difficulty level. It's very, very difficult. It's more an art than a science. And the reason it's more an art than a science is because, well, we didn't take into account magic items. And also because there are a lot of things that, the different classes can do and we while we use bounded accuracy we we didn't actually make it so that combat is actually predictable in terms of damage output right somehow somehow we did that we use bounded accuracy but we don't have we don't have predictable damage output well, so and that's because you know uh Correctly applying advantage to other people, correctly applying right right um, no no things I, like blessed other yeah. people no really Right. really magnifies power. Right, right, right. But but what, what I'm saying is, so this is the pendulum swing back to really uh-huh. putting a lot of constraints on that and making it seem like, okay, we're going to do this because then combat is predictable and therefore we can construct some encounter building rules that are extremely predictive of what they should be predictive of because that's their purpose. Uh, but then, then this pendulum is going to have to come back towards the middle a little bit so that the game's not boring. Right, because you can't take you right. can't take so many things out and make it completely predictable. Because if you're just going to make it completely predictable, well, then why are we even running that? Just uh, press a button and have the computer simulation spit out what everybody's final hit points are after the battle, right? Like, right, you yeah, know, you're done. Pass. Yeah, and nobody wants to do that. If I'm going to do that, I might as well just go play a computer game. So that's you know. And and so that's what, but I'm just saying there's a pendulum swing here. There's a pendulum effect and we're on the outside of it right now. And that's kind of the purpose of a play test, right? Is to get, to sort of feel that out and get people to use it and see really how it feels. Because also sometimes things feel different in play than they feel in writing. So, sure, you know, we're, we're, you know, sure. that's all I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with you in terms yeah, yeah. of what it seems like, you know, but I'm just saying when you get so many such a high percentage of people complaining about the encounter building not being predictive well you got to do something sure and the easiest way to make it predictive again is to constrain combat damage sure um i mean i i, I hear what you're saying um i do think that like getting players excited about nerfs is hard <laughs> right. right. Like, yeah. The course. DM, the DM might or might not be excited mm-hmm. about it. The players, for sure, are not. Right. Uh, so we'll see. Um, yeah. But you know, very few people responding to the the survey that will open up in uh, a couple of weeks are going to have personally tested any of this because mm-hmm. right. that's that's mm-hmm. how needing you know months of games to get through all these levels right well that's yeah and that's the problem right like that's that's a major drawback to to putting you know 20 levels worth of stuff into a playtest packet yep um so anyway we'll move on to the thief subclass (laughs) of the rogue right um 
so the thief has always been sort of uh, very much the utility one. Uh, they're not devastating in in combat. Um, they're really really good at exploration challenges. Just amazing exploration mm-hmm. challenges, and they're really good at using the terrain uh, because they can uh, disarm traps, open locks, use objects in the environment, that kind of stuff. Uh, and they also move around the environment really well. Like if the DM sets the combat arena with stuff for them to do, that's amazing. They can mm-hmm. do all kinds of mm-hmm. cool stuff. Right. Um, but some of that's going away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oops in it. Um, <laughs> so at third level, you still have fast hands uh, and it's changed a little bit. Um, previously, it uh, added uh, sleight of hand checks, uh, disarming traps, opening locks, or using uh, use an object to your cunning action option. Now you get to take the search action. Uh, now the search action was always part of the game. It's just gotten a little bit more uh, like tightened down the nuts and bolts on the, the rules of it. Um, so wait, in the rules glossary. Yeah, let's look at that then. Um, search action. Where'd it go? Uh, you can take when you sorry, <clears throat> when you take the search action, you make a wisdom check to discern something that isn't obvious. The search table suggests which skills are applicable when you take this action, depending on what you're trying to detect. And so basically it's uh, if you're trying to detect a creature's state of mind, that's an insight check. If you're trying to detect a creature's ailment, that's a medicine check. You're trying to con- uh, detect concealed creature or object, that's a perception check. And if you're trying to detect tracks of animals or food, then that's a survival check. Okay. Um, that's pretty basic. How is that different from previously? Uh, it, it's uh, nailing down more of the skills that can apply to it, I believe. Okay, so just just nailing. Okay, okay. Uh, rather like, than just perception, right? Uh, rather it. than just perception or, or investigation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing you can do with fast hands is you can still make a sleight of hand check to pick a pocket, pick a lock, or disarm a trap. Use an object is gone. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and it's not clear if uh, there will be a use an object action. Mm-hmm. What you mm-hmm. could do with that was always a little uh, shaky because it was less than it sort of seemed to apply a lot of the time. Right. But also there was this object interaction free once per round that was there in the rule book, but not well understood by the great majority of users. <laughs> right. And I know this because I had whole Twitter threads about, hey, did you know you get to do this once per round? And people said, you what, mate? <laughs> well, people other than specifically mm-hmm. Colin and Rabbit who I've talked to about this. on <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's fast hands for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess my thing about search is just uh, right now, uh, one of the main uses for search is uh, more like fast eyes. Right. <laughs> you're using it to spot hidden creatures. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'll be curious to see if they come up with more reasons you would want to use this in combat in adventure writing. 
because they have not done a good job of teaching DMs to make that interesting mid-combat. Right. Uh, I have the same objection about the study action. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, or, you know, recall knowledge as another game that will remain nameless calls it. Uh, well, I named it earlier, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but like specifically making that a good use of your action in combat mm-hmm. is not currently well supported. Right. Well, and that's why I brought it up, though, because in yeah. Pathfinder 2, it is a good use of your action a lot of the time. Not all the time and not every time. And not even maybe most of the time, but as an option, it is a good option at least part of the time. Whereas in D&D 5e, I don't think it's a good option at any point in time at this point. So if you have a big skill challenge thing that's also going on during your fight, it's great. Then then it is, yes, of course, yes. yeah. Um, But it probably still should be a bonus action. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. The problem is standardizing it as an action. Right. Because what you're actually doing with it sometimes doesn't need to be an action. Right. But if you've sold someone a feat that lets it shift from action down to bonus action, then you can't make it cheaper. Right. Yeah. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. In this right, time. right. Yeah. So so let's move on. So second story work. So second story work. Uh, uh, Basically so, the so, same it looks like. Well, so sort of. Climb speed, same. Jump distance, is changed by the existence of the jump action, which is dice-driven. So mm-hmm. in 2014, your jump distance is extremely steady. Mm-hmm. It is based on your strength score, or right. with this, your, your dex modifier. Um, and you can't do a ton to change it without a special feature or a special spell, like jump. Um So here's what jump action says in this packet. It says, with the jump action, you attempt to leap more than five feet. A jump of five feet or less is treated as difficult terrain. When you take this action, your speed must be greater than zero, and you must make a DC 10 strength check, acrobatics, or athletics. If you don't move at least 10 feet immediately before this action, you have disadvantage on the check. On a failed check, you leap five feet horizontally or vertically. On a successful check, the check's total determines the distance in feet that you can clear horizontally or half that total if you're jumping vertically, round down. This jump does not extend your movement, but the distance you clear can't exceed your speed. Right. Okay, so you got to move 10 feet, and then you make a check. Yep. So let's say you're fifth level, and you have a plus two to your strength. You're making an acrobatics check. And let's say you're 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 proficient in it, so you're adding what a plus two plus two. That's four. So, I I just I want to point out one thing while while you're looking at it. Yeah. The failure condition of a jump check is a successful vertical leap of five feet or horizontal. <laughs> so the the greatest athletes in world history. Mm-hmm. For a mm-hmm. vertical leap, right? Probably play in the NBA. Just yes. gonna throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably play in the NBA, right? On their best day, they don't have a vertical leap of five feet, right? Right. I mean, and it's not close. Yeah, 
So you you very much jump like a how high does a long jumper jump? Right, they jump pretty damn high. Uh, are you thinking of a pole vaulter? No, I'm thinking of like an Olympic long jumper. Well, they're not mostly measuring the height, but uh, right. But I'm just saying to get the arc, they still have to jump pretty high to get the arc coming down. Even though their their main idea is to jump, I'm just saying. But it's still, my point was, it's still also not higher than five feet <laughs> yeah right um but in game terms though right if you were making a jump uh, try to jump across a 10-foot pit and you fail you're only jumping five feet you're gonna jump right into that pit yep is the is why that's there why that five yep. foot thing is there they're not looking at the realism of can anybody just jump and if they don't jump very well they're still jumping five feet in the air like that's pretty insane actually <laughs> yeah what it also means though think about it, if they're in a 10 foot pit if it's 10 foot wide and 10 foot deep now they're down at the ground mm-hmm. even if they fail the check if they're at least five feet tall uh-huh they can fail the check and jump to grab onto the ledge yep of a 10 foot high pit right but yeah. but also um having if they, you if they roll really you... well they might just jump right out of the pit <laughs> right like the whole deal where you spend your action to to jump uh mm-hmm. if it's you know more than a jump of a certain distance is just like, that's a bad action movie you you did action movie wrong please <laughs> please try again um heroes in action movies absolutely make big leaps and attack in what seems to be the same right frame yeah the, the same cut Right. right. You you want them to make a big leap and then hit something. That's what's exciting there. Mm-hmm. So please don't make it an action. Anyway, um, second story work uh, is cool for what it does. Yeah. So we're I, uh, I folks. Have... We'll get we'll get back to the jump action when we get to glossary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I have no doubt we're going to talk about that again. Oh man, I've been warning you about the rules glossary. Um, <laughs> so so second story work is good for what it does. I just have issues with the jump mm-hmm. action specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Supreme Sneak level Supreme six. Sneak. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, of yeah. course you want advantage mm-hmm. in every stealth right. check you ever roll. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you have, have no business in your whole life ever wearing medium or heavy armor. So right. fine, this is a is a mm-hmm. non cost. I guess right. we're good. Um, so tenth level, I really like what they've done with use magic device. I think it is really swanky. Mm-hmm. Um. So use magic device was previously um, you you could ignore all requirements on the use of magic items if you wanted to use I don't know a, a staff of power or <laughs> a, a holy avenger sword go nuts my guy do, do your do your thing follow your thiefly bliss and maybe don't let the paladin see mm-hmm. you do it because right. yes it's a holy avenger sword you're a jerk. <laughs> um, so it uh, does that sort of narrowly now mm-hmm. uh, just for scrolls because, I mean, the point of use magic device as a skill in uh, 3.0, when we first saw it as you know a fully distinct thing, separate from read scrolls in second edition, was to help you imitate, you know, the gray mouser. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, uh, Kujal 
in um, the Dying Earth saga, right? Right. Um, the, a guy who absolutely would steal someone else's Holy Avenger sword and mm-hmm. go fight absolutely. with it. Absolutely. What an absolute <laughs> trash bag of a rogue. <laughs> um, so what it does here, it lets you attune an additional magic item. That's really nice, assuming your DM is reasonably generous with magic items. So <laughs> it's still so not, not me. <laughs> uh, fair enough. As long as your DM isn't Sam specifically. <laughs> Um, yes. but like that, that's pretty classy. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's nice. assuming you get to use it. Also, it's yeah. not the only thing this feature does, right? So, whatever. Um, whenever you use a magic item property that expends charges, you have a one in six chance to not expend the charge. Well, that's really nice, yeah, man. Um, especially if you have scammed your way somehow into using something that uses up a lot of charges at once. Right. You have a chance to save mm-hmm. like three or four charges on a single roll. Right. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That, you, that's, you, that's really sweet. You're flying now. Every um, wizard ever wants that as well. Right? Yes, they yeah. really do. Yes. Um, and honestly, that'd be a, a pretty cool new artificer spell. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that'd be um, cool. Because it's still only a chance of working, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, uh, you can use spell scrolls. Uh, you always successfully use cantrips and first level spell scrolls, uh, and then higher level stuff you have to roll. Um, and it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But it's paying you for maybe having a good intelligence uh, or a kind of proficiency, which right. is a weird thing to see here, but very much in theme. So I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really nice version of Fuse Magic Device. It does good, solid things that don't kind of rely on you taking a magic item intended for a different character in the party. Right. Which I think is the fail state of the earlier version. Right. Yep. Um, I can agree with that. Like, if you, for our listeners who played World of Warcraft, it's the everything is a hunter weapon problem. Um, there was even a song about it it's great Um, (laughs) so finally at 14th level uh, you have Thief's Reflexes Um, again no change in name uh, substantial change in function so this is uh, extra bonus actions on your turn um, that you can only use for cunning action Uh, so you might have bonus actions from other sources such as feats mm-hmm. that aren't part of your cunning action, but now you can double them up. Um, and you can do that only proficiency bonus times per long rest, but it's it's nice to have for potentially smoothing out some um, some playstyle stuff. Uh, you've had to wait a long time for, but maybe you pull off some cool combos with that somehow. Right, right. Uh, I, I don't even know that they have a plan in mind for what your cool combo is. Just maybe they find something cool to do with this. Uh, previously, these reflexes was straight amazing. Uh, the first uh, turn of any combat, you act once in your normal initiative and again at initiative minus 10. Mm-hmm. So that's two separate turns right. in the same round. Mm-hmm. So you can sneak attack on both of them. 
Right. That's an amazing opening round. Right. Uh, and it was it's the one really big combat forward feature in Thief. But boy, is it a showstopper when it works. So so this is obviously way toned down from that. But, um, you know, you're going to get good use out of it a day if you, you know, have, have mm-hmm. thought about how to. Right. Even if you just cut the action twice, like th- that's got its place too. Right. Right. Yep. So that brings us to the end of classes and subclass- subclasses. Uh, we are not yet halfway through this document. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and that means that we're probably going to wait for next time to talk about feats. Yep. Yep. Um, but the, what I would say to sort of sum up the classes so far is uh, I think they're trying to like rein in perceived excesses mm-hmm. uh, as. I might go as far as say a primary design motivation. Um, I don't want to, I don't know, uh, overreach in that guess, but that seems to be the through line of, of what I see here. Um, the Ranger didn't have as much access to rain in uh, sort of famously. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, to, this, to many people, the only direction the ranger could go is up. If you change anything, I would, I would generally uh, agree with that assessment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a more, it's, it's a smoother incorporation of Tasha's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Those sure. are a good set of changes for you know, most rangers, uh, rangers that don't have adventures specifically only in their, um, favored terrains. So, you know, this is good. Um, we didn't really get into how their their spell list has expanded um, thanks to getting everything but evocation. Um, right. I, I don't really see a lot right out the gate that feels sort of wrong to me at all, though getting Thunderwave is a bit odd. <laughs> maybe um and druids getting access to hunter's mark is also a little odd again see those things feel very thematic to me in terms of what they're what they're trying to go for with the kind of wilderness motif uh, no I, I, it's it's not a problem it just won't do the druid a lot of good right because the druid doesn't make a lot of attacks unless right. they've cast it in advance right and, and doesn't they have, shift into an animal right, form and doesn't have any features that really support it right so, uh, yeah. other than the moon druid well sure right but we, but to be fair also we don't know what the playtest druid looks like so nope we don't um but um yeah th- there's there's a lot of uh a lot of additional functionality that falls into the ranger's hands this way um, from all these spells they could choose from. Um, worrying about them not getting flame blade is a huge waste of time <laughs> because <laughs> that's one I would be quite happy to see them get. It's a it's a cool melee blade. Yes, go beat people up with it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So any last thoughts about the uh, ranger or rogue before we pop out of here and 
No, I, I think I've uh, not only said everything you need to say, but also uh, egregiously dominated the conversation. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, the thing is, like, I, for me, part of the issue I have with, uh, with this sort of thing is I really need to play it. You know, I, I really need to feel how it. I mean, I experience it at the table. Sure. Right. And then I'm all happy to go back to the words and analyze it and talk about, well, here's, you know, here's how it worked for me in the, at the table in the game, or here's how, here's the feedback I got from my players who were using it at the table in the game. And I feel like uh, it's really hard for me personally to, you know, to really evaluate this because I haven't played it yet. Sure. Right. And so, and that, I mean, I, that's, you know, obviously, right. I mean, this just came out and yeah. we're just now looking at it for the first time, but, but that's kind of why I'm a little quiet. It's not because uh, I think you're dominating the conversation or because I don't have anything to say. I just actually don't have a lot to say because for me, I read some of these and I'm like, eh, okay, mm, whatever. But how does it really play at the table? Like that's, that's to me where the rubber re- meets the road is oh, the oh, thing that's absolutely. really important. And I, I, I mean, I know you believe, you think that too, but I just mean in terms of my analysis doesn't really go too deep until I've done that. So, yep. yeah. Um, I, I can compare this to experiences I have had and imagine how it would compare as far as that goes, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. because I played a ranger up to 12. I sure. Yeah. Extrapolate yep. from yeah. that. I have a player you know, uh, playing a, a a bard in my campaign right now. I can extrapolate from that. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that's perfect, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. This kind of design analysis is something I do professionally. Right. There are still things I miss, but uh, I I work pretty hard at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think. I think that's going to end us up for tonight. I think I'm going to have a lot more to say during the glossary section. Uh, I I think that's a fair assessment. (laughs) And maybe even the feet section as well, but the glossary section for sure. Uh, Uh, Yeah. What we're going to see with the feet section is a a lot of very picky changes. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we'll deal with that when we get to it. So. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, Sam, where can our, cherished listeners find you our cherished listeners can find me on the internet at rpgmusings.com or on twitter at dm samuel or all over the tome show you can find me on the tome shows discord or you can find me on youtube at rpg musings how about you sir i uh, am on twitter uh, at brandis stoddard um i write for tribality.com where you can see my uh rather extensive article uh, covering <laughs> everything we covered here if you mm-hmm. if, if a text format is your deal um you you will miss sam that's that's a major drawback i will certainly admit um or a major benefit depending on your opinion <laughs> i said what i said um and um my personal blog is brandastoddard.com and my patreon is brandastoddard Excellent. All right. Everyone have a good morning, afternoon, evening. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, y'all.